Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey everyone, Mark from Guitar Nerds here, bringing you an extra podcast and something a little bit special. This week, Jay and I got the chance to chat with radio presenter Ian Lee about his new show on talk radio, his diverse musical tastes and his obsession with the monkeys. Now, this interview is definitely a bit different from the sort of things that we usually do, but it's a really interesting chat and Ian has got some great stories. Plus, we do eventually get around to chatting about his Epiphone Casino, how he owns a monkey signature Gretsch and why he thinks that Rickenbacker basses are sexy. If you like what you hear, do check out ianlee.com and tune into his radio show from 10 till 1 in the evenings, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio. It's a late night phoning show on talk radio um weeknights from 10 you can listen on dab or talkradio.co.uk um and it's a phoning show and but it's not the usual kind of stuff that you get on late night radio it's not talking about immigrants and syria you know it's it's we just mess around generally and talk nonsense and one of the joys of it is I, I'm allowed to have any guests that I can get my hands on. I can get anyone, you know, who will say yes. And as a direct result, we've had some, you know, proper musical heroes of mine on there. We've had Roger McGuinn from The Birds, and we've had Mike Love from The Beach Boys, you know, I've been after for years, and um, John Sebastian from The Love in Spoonful. Can you tell I love 60s music? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and we've and the weird thing is, for most of these people, Roger McGuinn and John Sebastian in particular, these a lot of these sixties and seventies singers, they run their own website. So you send an email to johnsebastian.com. Hi, I was wondering if John would be available to come on my late night UK radio show, and then you get an email back saying, "Yeah, I'd love to. When do you want me?" Sign John, you know, and it's. <laughs> 15-year-old me, I'm you know, 44 now, but 15-year-old me is geeking out, getting emails from all of these people. I've got all their, you know, all of their vinyl and all of their CDs, and I've seen some of them in concert, you know, and they're corresponding with me. So it's really, it, it, from that point of view, it's good. And because it's a late-night show, um, we get longer to talk to these people. You know, we can have them on for half an hour, an hour, if they're up for it. And uh, I, I like to think that I... Don't ask them the obvious questions. You know, I, I, I tend to avoid 
the sort of biggest... I mean, when John Sebastian came on, he was really impressed that I didn't play Summer in the City or Daydream sure. or something. I played some obscure track off of a solo album he did in 1975, and he was like, whoa, I can't... I've, I, I don't think I've ever even heard that song on the radio. Um, so I like to think that I come at it from a slightly different angle. You know, I, I, I only get people on that I like, so I've got a... a, 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 a a certain amount of knowledge about them already so I'm not you know so I like to think I'm doing things a bit differently in that respect I think that's the um, the key thing that uh, stands out for me on the show and what would normally only be the reserve of podcasts I guess is that you do give people a bit more time yes. and also yeah because it is people that you already know a fair amount about the questions aren't just you know tell us something about the latest album tell us yeah. you know facts about that it's a real deep dive into the back catalogue and some like yeah. you say coming it from a completely different angle it's and and very rarely we, we do it occasionally because it's someone we like but very rarely do we get someone on who's talking about the new album or the new tour or the new book occasionally i mean we get all of those emails and, and my producer Catherine will go you interested in this no interested in this yes but generally it's people that we have um reached out to and um i know that they'll have stories and again so many people after the shows have got in touch saying i mean the obvious example was i thought mike love was a dick from the beach boys <laughs> uh, but here in the interview you know uh, it completely changed my my point of view about him people yeah. say you know I, I i never bought into the mike love was the bad guys we actually made mike love blush on the radio because i'd read his autobiography which is a great book and um in it, it, there's there's a bit about something he taught Dennis Wilson, and I said to him, "Is it true you taught Dennis Wilson cunnilingus?" And you could hear him just, you know, go bright red on the phone. <laughs> but it was lovely. No one else has ever asked him that question. <laughs> no it, one else has ever said that to him, and, it, and I did, and he, he loved it. He's not going to get that on Steve Wright, for example, or <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think so. No. <laughs> <laughs> was it Mike Love that you had a bit of a run-in with at an airport once? No, that was Al Jardine. Al right. Jardine did what I now call Al. He Al Jardined me. I'm a I'm a huge Beach Boys fan. I mean, I you know Brian is God, and I think Mike is a legend. I I'm, I, I love it. And I was at LAX, and it all sounds very glamorous, but it's a terrible airport. And I saw Al Jardine, the rhythm guitarist from the Beach. Beach Boys walked past me and suddenly my heart started going and my hands got sweaty and I became a 15 year old fanboy and um, I followed him, he went into the toilet, I followed him into the toilet and I was thinking I've got to, I've got to say something I've got, and I was trying to think of um, the song that he did on the 1972 Surf's Up album and I was trying to remember what the title was and then he went out and I was thinking I'm going to go up to him and mention that song you know and um I mean, it sounds a bit stalkerish. He was going down an escalator, and I, I followed him down the escalator, and I got to the bottom. He had his back to me, and I said, Mr. Jardine. And his, sho his shoulders went down. His head dropped. I could see the side of his face, and he was like, ugh. And what he was saying with that body language and that noise was, Oh God! Someone wants to talk to me about the fucking Beach Boys. <laughs> and he turned, and all I, what I wanted was I wanted to say thank you. Would have liked a picture. Would have liked an autograph. But you know, uh, he turned around. He went, yeah. 
And I was crushed in that moment. I was crushed. And I just said, I just wanted to thank you for all of the good music. I'm a big fan. And he went, great. And I said, have a nice day. And I turned around and I walked away and I was crushed. I was crushed. So now whenever a celebrity is rude to me or anyone else, its, uh, it's official, t- official title is being Al jardine have you have you managed to speak to him post the uh, escalator incident, or uh, have you tried emailing him? I've tried to get him on the show, and we've had no response. Uh, he couldn't have known it was me. I mean, the dream situation would be for him to come into the studio for an interview, and I go, "Yeah, what?" Is <laughs> and then, uh, uh, I, I'd, you know, I'd love to chat to him, but uh, I, I was I was crushed that day, man. Really crushed. How bloody! Who else is going to recognise Al Jardine? <laughs> It's not like it happens all the time. <laughs> who's um who's been the biggest surprise that they've got back to you? Who's been the like biggest catch, as it were? Um, that is an excellent question. I'm really surprised we got John Lydon actually. Yeah, uh, John Lydon. I, I was um, uh, a couple of people got in touch and said, "Oh, you should get John Lydon on. You'd be good." And I um, had read his autobiography and loved it. And I and I I thought. We'll never get John Lydon on. I don't know why I thought that. Um, but we got in touch with his people, and they were quite wary. And he had people. It wasn't straight to him. They were quite wary. What you know? What is the show like? What time is the show on? Can we have an example of the show? And um, I, we sent a, some clips of the show, and I said, look, um, I, I don't even – want to ask him about the Sex Pistols or Punk. I'm not even going to mention the P word. I think it was the 40th anniversary of Punk or something. So he was getting swamped with that. And I said, I don't want to talk to him about Punk because I feel I've heard him. I just want to talk to him about what it's like being John Lydon and what it's like living in LA as as John Lydon. And I wanted that kind of, and and that sort of impressed them. Um, And... I was really scared of him, actually. I thought he would be the arsehole that you sometimes see on television. Yeah. And it, it couldn't have been further from the truth. He was, um, he was like, he was delightful. He was charming. He was funny. He mentioned the Sex Pistols. I never mentioned them. He mentioned them. Um, and he was just like your kind of rude uncle. You know, he laughed a lot, sounded proper cockney and um but he was really charming and really really warm and um and that surprised me a lot and again it was another one of those interviews where people said i didn't think i'd be interested in him because i've heard him you know punk and mclaren heard him say that um, but he just came across as a really nice bloke you know so um yeah he was he was a surprise i guess it's good to try and get these people away from the character you know because i think it's so easy for people to like they go into an interview situation like that or like you know like you say bumping into someone in the airport they immediately have to fall back into the character that people know them for and once you move away from that quite often people are just like normal geezers you know what i mean or normal ladies and you just they just want to have a chat about normal things yeah i think my trick is is finding an in, is finding something that is going to get you in. The trick with John Sebastian was playing this obscure song. It was a great song. I can't remember what it was called. But playing this obscure song, that was the in uh, because it, it suddenly, and I, I, I kind of judged that he would be impressed that we weren't playing one of the hits, and it worked. Um, 
uh, we had I had Ray Davis on on another show from the Kinks, and um, it was a bit of a nightmare because he brought <laughs> a load of PR people, and the PR people said, "You've got to talk about the new album. You can't talk about the Kinks. Can't." talk about the kinks i was like fucking hell all right and it was, a, it was rec- a pre-recorded interview so he came in and we had this really stilted interview um about this new album that wasn't very good it, it was it was kinks cover versions bizarrely but we weren't allowed to talk about the kinks <laughs> maybe no it was yeah it was the album he did where he was duetting with people um and then a few minutes into it we had to stop there was a problem with the recording and that was my in I said, because um, at the time I lived in Muswell Hill, which is, of course he was famous for, and I said, do, do you get back to Muswell Hill much? He said, um, why are you asking? I said, oh, I live, because it was it was pre-recorded and we stopped. I went, oh, I live on um, Muswell Hill Road, and I used to live on Colney Hatch Lane, and I've been there for 15 years, and I love it. And I just wondered if you, and he went, oh, oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the end, and that was it. As soon as I said that, he was in, and we started talking about pubs, and we started talking about curry houses, and uh, and then we got the thumbs up that the interview was okay, was was ready to go, that we were ready to record. And as we went back, he said, "Ask me anything you want. Ask me anything you want." Boom, we're in talking about yeah. the kinks, um, and and that was it. And, and the trick for me is just finding that in. You know, it was a lucky coincidence. I lived around the corner from where he used to live you know sure. that, that's not always going to be the case but it's just the, the best interviews I've done are where I've I've I interviewed Sparks I'm a huge Sparks fan I just think they're they're brilliant um and I wasn't a fan of them until I got I was offered them and I kind of went I'll take a punt on Sparks I didn't yeah. know enough about them but what little I knew intrigued me and they came in and and, I, and since then I've just fallen in love with them because they're the most charming men and God they're so good so good. Um, but before we started, I said, um, if you want, we don't have to mention this town ain't big enough for the both of us. The hit, and they're like, really? I said we can make this the first interview you've ever done where we don't mention that song, and they're like, wow, that that would. I mean, if you don't mind, that would be really cool because we're sick of talking about it. <laughs> And we didn't mention it, and 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 I instantly won them over, you know, by yeah. asking. Yeah, you know, I don't even know what I asked. Obscure stuff, but um, uh, it, it, it's it's it's. There's no point in asking the obvious questions, sure. you know. You know, you know the answers. I know the yeah. answers. Everyone knows the answers. Why did your? How did your band get the name? Who cares? Tell me, tell me what it's like being a 57 year old rock star living in A. That's what I want to know. So that's my trick. You know. Have you had the um, Sparks on a few times as well? I seem to remember you talking to them a few times, and it, it always strikes me when people come back, they always remember that initial interview that you've done with them. And it's a chance to carry on the conversation because you don't just talk about the new album. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the key components of the the interviews that you do, actually. Thank you. Yeah, and and, and we have had a lot of people that have come back. And what, what's really nice is we've had a lot of the acts afterwards have got in touch either directly or through the PR, saying, "I, I love that. That was that was the best interview." The number of acts that said that was the best interview they've done in that round of of promotion and stuff. You know, is um, is a thrill. Yeah, yeah. Um, the show, obviously, primarily a, a talk radio show, but you do play a, a bit of music here and yes. there as well. What's the, um, for people who haven't listened to the show yet, how would you describe uh, what to expect from the music that you play on the show? Well, um, we, we, uh, it is, 
mainly the monkeys. I'm, you know, it's like 70% the monkeys because I'm obsessed with the monkeys. I started my own record label, 7A Records, to sell monkey stuff. Um, but if I've, uh, if someone sent me something brilliant or I've discovered something or um, I think it... Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. It's a mood. I'm a really big fan. There's a woman called Imani Coppola who had a hit 20 years ago with Legend of a Cowgirl um, and then kind of decided she didn't want to be a pop star so started releasing sort of slightly weird avant-garde. Uh, it's a really lazy description but it fits um, kind of albums on her own and she's done some brilliant songs and I love her. I think she's a genius and when we go to New York next week hopefully we're going to meet her and I'm terrified of meeting her. Terrified. So, I'm just completely in love with what she does and she's quite intimidating, you know, and I'm going to go and hang out with her. Um, but so we, we, we quite often play some of her stuff or I play the theme tune to The Fall Guy, which is just a great song, you know. Um, I, I tell you what I'm looking into. There's this thing called Upload Radio. I saw that you've where, been investigating this. Yeah, because I want to do a music show and I've done some stuff on Virgin, but I want to do a show where I get to play whatever I want. Not to get a huge audience, just for the ego boost of playing whatever I want, really, and yeah. sharing it with people. So I'm looking at this thing called Upload Radio, where you get an hour, you have to pay them 20 quid, but you get an hour, and you can play what you want, and it goes on DAB, and then it goes online, and then I might upload it to Mixcloud, where you can download it. I don't know. this. I'm looking at doing something like that, because I've got quite an eclectic taste. I've listening to a brilliant oh there's a brilliant box set on cherry uh, cherry red records is that what it's called cherry red yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it's um 80s british psychedelia oh it's fucking incredible some of this I've, stuff i've never heard of i mean there's julian cope and, and doctor and the medics um but there's just some amazing bands on there so i'm wigging out to that and i'd like to share that with people wouldn't really be appropriate on the talk <laughs> radio show but if i go, if i go the way of doing it on mixcloud and upload then I can play it there. Yeah, I think um, definitely eclectic is the way to describe the music on the show as it is. And if that was expanded into a, a full music show, then uh, yeah, that'd be an interesting listen, yeah. I think. Um, you mentioned 
Sorry, you mentioned briefly the um, the record label. How did that all uh, get started? I'm I'm obsessed with the monkeys, you know, and obsessed is the word. I've spent thousands of pounds buying shit from me. E- I mean, utter rubbish, you know. Um, and I've I've been to America to see them, and I'm obsessed. And um, about three or four years ago, I had this silly idea of um, releasing all of the Mickey Dolenz solo singles from the 70s on an album. Um, and um, I, through complete trial and error and, you know, bashing my head against a brick wall, I found out who owned them, who owned the rights. It was Universal. Ended up emailing someone there, a young lad called Liam, who in- coincidentally, we found out later, was John, John Lydon's nephew, I think. Um, <laughs> and he said, yeah, we own them send me an offer for licensing. I didn't have a clue. And at that point, a guy called Glenn got in touch who said, I've been watching with interest your, um, uh, you know, your, your, your project. I work in the record industry. How about we set up a record label and we go halves and we try and make this happen? And we did. And it, it's been relatively easy we set up 7a records you can it's 7a records.com or facebook.com slash number 7a records um and we've released about half a dozen vinyl lps and cds and we've got a, a, a monkey's tribute album out now and we've just done our first davy jones release and we're working with you know one of my heroes michael nesmith we're bringing out a it's, it, gorgeous i've just seen the the presentation for it a picture disc of nesmith live in britain in 1975 never been released wow he's signed a contract bbc have signed a contract and we're bringing that out later in the year and it makes absolutely no money whatsoever (laughs) you know we're funding it ourselves but it's kind of now got to the stage where it's sort of funding itself not quite we're still having to dip into our pockets a little bit but because we we kind of give as much as we can we have like embossed covers and booklets and all of this shit um it it, it, you know we could cut back on a lot and make money but we're just throwing everything at it and it's just a really nice hobby and it we're making these beautiful records and these beautiful cds and you know it's a joy so i i you know sometimes i have to phone up mickey dolenz and (laughs) You know, just just run something past him, and it's a dream come true. You know, it's the weirdest thing. That's what I was going to say, actually. Uh, you know, how weird would that be for your teenage self to know that you're phoning up the monkeys on a regular basis? Same <laughs> man, and I and I hate phone. Here's the weird thing: I've got his number, and I have to phone him from time to time, and I hate doing it because I get too nervous, and so I get Glenn to do it sometimes. <laughs> And and it's the way, and he's you know he's the nicest guy and Nesmith is the nicest guy and and um you know it's it's just a thrill an absolute thrill and it turns out setting up your own record label it's not that difficult and I recommend if anybody has got an interest in a niche artist or a niche band or or someone they think is overlooked and isn't getting the respect they deserve fucking do it man set up a record label there'll be templates on how to make you know how licensing deals and stuff like that it's not that if you got not that expensive i guess our initial outlay 
two grand, two yeah. grand, and we kind of made that back. Now, two grand, to, and we were doing it expensively. We were doing it on vinyl, so that instantly put the costs up. And we, you know, we put a booklet in there, a twenty-page booklet that put the costs up. Uh, if you if you're doing it as a CD only, I reckon you could start up a record label for, uh, with a grand. And yeah. get C and, to, and that will include licensing and manufacturing. It costs nothing to manufacture CDs, um, and you could do it for a grand. You could get stuff out there, and you would if you if you chose wisely, uh, and you caught the you know there were enough fans, you'd make that grand back, and you'd have a thing out there. I um I've I did it. I I did a little record label about ten years ago. Um, yeah. just just putting out like my mates' band's records, and I like initially on the first couple of releases lost quite a lot of money. And then, like, figured out what it was that you needed to do. And I reckon I probably just, like, I packed it in, I guess, maybe maybe six years ago. Maybe I did it longer than ten years ago. Anyway, I did, like, maybe eight records. And, yeah. like, I was like, that's enough. I, I've, yeah. I've looked into it, and it was very fun, and that's enough for me. I'll let someone else take over for now. But it was, it, like, I was, like, 19, do you know wow. what I mean? Like, oh, and yeah. it was just, just give it a go, see what happens. And what were you doing? Were you doing records or CDs or downloads or what? What the was the thing? The first handful, there was a, the first record was a seven inch, and then I did an LP, and then I did a couple of CDs, and then another couple of LPs, and then a couple of seven inches. I think finished it off there or thereabouts. But yeah, I mean, like jumping in, doing split releases to begin with with other yeah. people who like liked this band that nobody yeah. else liked you know what i mean to begin with and they just we wanted to get the music out there and uh and that was great until we realized that when you're putting out a record because nobody else will put out the record that also probably means that nobody else is going to buy the record uh yeah. so i've still got loads of those in the loft in my parents house but you know that's fine but, but that's, um, a, that's a story and that's something to show is. the kids later on you know and the grandkids completely absolutely and you know every now and again i, I see one of the people from one of those bands and i say Oh, you can, still, can I? Do you want, I've got all these records. Do you want to? Do you want to take some? And they say no. And I go, okay, cool. Well, do you want to go and get me a pint then? And uh, yeah. usually it works out. So, <laughs> so but you made something. You actually, you know, again, if you wanted to just do it as digital downloads, you, you can do it like for pennies, really. Completely. Um, I like the physical thing, and you made a physical thing and it's just it's it's a joy when we every time we get our stock in and i go and look at the boxes and it's like fuck we made that you know yeah. i'm really proud really proud of it how um how embedded have you had to have to become in the monkeys fandom forums and stuff like that are you uh are you kind of king of the monkeys fans now <laughs> uh, yeah, well the americans love me because when i go to america and sometimes i talk at the conventions or, or stuff I, I i put on my best hugh grant voice <laughs> and so they love that um, but I was kind. I was in those groups anyway. You know, I was in the fan groups. I, I, here's the thing: I was do. I was a bootlegger. You know, I was bootlegging concerts and bootlegging DVDs and all of this stuff. Um, so people kind of knew me anyway. That you know, people in America that didn't know me for the TV or radio work. Um, but that once you know, once we we went legit, I had to knock all that stuff uh, <laughs> on the head. But it's you know, it's 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 geeky and it's joyful and it doesn't make money. But generally, one release will fund the next one, um, and it, we're having the time of our lives. You know, I think um, geeky kind of aptly um, sums up a lot of the uh, interactions you have with guests on the on the show as well. To bring it back to the show, um, and I think our audience very much a you know this podcast is about the the finer details of guitars a lot of the time um and i think that approach 
even on a kind of grander stage that, that you have, you know, the kind of national broadcasting stage, people appreciate that, you know, really yeah. narrow, um, focusing in on the fine details. And again, Here I think... Here we go. Now, now I, we know each other because you have sold me guitars. Uh, we should talk about this. I didn't know whether we were going to cover this, but... <laughs> yeah, we could talk about this. I have a beautiful red Epiphone uh, Casino, which uh, hardly ever gets played, <laughs> but looks... Absolutely beautiful, thanks to you. But my geekiest guitar, and this will be my last monkey's point, I promise. <laughs> and this is a prize collection. There are not many of these. The monkeys were sponsored by Gretsch. Um, and they had all these wonderful Gretsch guitars and Gretsch drums, Vox amps. Um, and so in 1967, you know, because they were selling monkeys' tea towels and monkeys' pajamas, they thought, I know, let's bring out um, a monkeys' model Gretsch guitar. And they did, um, and it, it came out just as it became public that the monkeys didn't play on their records. So they <laughs> sold zero of these guitars, and every now and then one of them pops up on eBay, yeah. and sometimes they, they're listed for silly money, sometimes they're in really bad condition, but I got one, a 1967 red monkeys Gretsch in full working order. It's, it's battered, but it's in full working order with the, uh, the scratch plate, and it's got a little head plate as well, um, and I think I paid, don't tell my wife, <laughs> I think I paid, uh, it was just shy of two grand. For okay. <laughs> what? What? Which is not, you know, in the great scheme of guitars and collectible guitars. I mean, that's how much That's how much a new one costs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that, like a, a new Japanese-built Gretsch will cost you that sort of money anyway. So you've... you've I think you've done well. You've done, you've done pretty well. well there. You've won. On guitars, I've yeah. done it. <laughs> Seriously, don't tell my wife. Yeah. You'll, have to, um, you'll have to send us a picture. We've got quite an active Facebook group around the I podcast. Send, and but yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm the, very proud of it. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. And um, just to... Um, you, you're a bit of a bass player as well. Uh, and in fact, I assume... Do you remember, did you play a Rickenbacker at one point? Is that right? I had... Um, God, it's, it, it, I haven't played for a while. I've got a, a gorgeous Fender um, Jazz... Okay. Uh, with the neck where it gets thinner, and I, that's my that's my base of choice because it's got that the the, the thinner neck at the top, and because it's really light, it's a really light guitar. But I've also got a Rickenbacker, um, which just looks fucking sexy. You know, it's very sexual guitar. They're the best looking one. They're, they're... I, they're stunning, man. Um, but um, it weighs an absolute <laughs> ton, and the neck is like the thickness of my arm you yeah. know it's incredible but it, it just you just look like you know what you're doing even if you don't know what you're doing like i don't yeah that's, all, uh, all the style getting you through in those uh, those situations <laughs> um ian we should probably wrap up um just quickly what guests have you got coming up do you know um who's coming on the show well do you know what that is an excellent question we're all set because we're off to new york next week so oh, yeah, we've uh, we, we, we're meeting loads of New York people. So we've got Steve Gutenberg from the Police Academy films. Um, <laughs> of course. Got, of course. Um, we've got Imani Coppola. We've got John Ronson. We've got Richard Bacon, bizarrely, because he lives in New York. <laughs> uh, yeah, he does. I know it's weird. Um, we've got Roger McGough from The Scaffold and The Poet. Uh, I'm supposed to be meeting him tomorrow, but we've had to postpone that until we get back from New York. Um, off the top of my head, I think that is... Hang on a minute. I'm about to be told by a grown-up <laughs> who we've got coming, and she's going to tell me... <laughs> you can... 
edit this via a computer to make it sound like I know what I'm talking about. There's no edits in this. this no, we're, we're, going out, we're going out live right now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Can't remember, though. That's it. That's who we've got. That's who we've got. So Ed, we've, got, we've got some cool people coming up. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Um, if you want to remind people where they can hear the show and where they can find you on the internet at large. Uh, um, yes, well, if you go to ianlee.com is my website. I'm at Ian Lee on Twitter, and it's I-A-I-N-L-E-E. Um, I've got two shows I plug. The radio show is on Talk Radio, and it's on DAB or on the Talk Radio app or talkradio.co.uk, Monday to Friday, 10 o'clock at night. And I also do another show, which uh, we release one a week. It's called The Rabbit Hole, and that's on iTunes or it's on Acast and blah, 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 blah. Follow at Ian Lee, and uh, I'm constantly banging on about them. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.